Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Do you need new clothes? If you're like me, then you certainly do. Anti-Forever USA is where you need to be to get those clothes. They got everything from hats and beanies to t-shirts and long sleeves to hoodies and windbreakers with more clothing coming soon. My listeners get 10% off using the promo code PLATTY. That's capital P-L-A-T-T-E. Link is in the description of the podcast. Shop Anti-Forever USA today. Welcome back to Strictly Hip Hop. This is a surprise podcast, a classic album review out of nowhere. So I love dropping these out of nowhere and I love catching guys off guard. And here with me for this classic album review, this special classic album review, is Will Gill. Will, how you doing? Yo, what up, man? I feel good. I feel good. Uh, honored to be on the pod. So I'm excited to uh, try to tackle something so important like uh, what we're doing today. Yeah, so... Why don't we let him know what we're doing? We are doing All Eyes on Me, Tupac Shakur album, and I feel this is the perfect time to do it because this is the year the movie All Eyes on Me is coming out, and so I figured if we do a Pac review, it has to be this one. So, but, so Will, how you feeling? How you feeling about reviewing All Eyes on Me? Man, I'm excited, and um, it, it, it's, it's a lot of... Uh... It's a lot to tackle this album because like it's a double album. It's the album when he fresh came out of jail. This is the first Death Row album. And uh, a lot of people say that this is his best body of work complete. So um, I'm happy to try to tackle that on this podcast. And with the album, with the movie coming out, like you said, it seems like a perfect time to uh, try to accomplish that. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's I think it's a great time to do it. I think it is. Uh, I don't know if it's it's the best. Uh, we can. That's a whole other podcast for another time. But hopefully, by the time this is up, you guys will have uh, you guys will have also uh, heard my podcast where I'm doing a classic. I won't say the guest name unless uh, until until it is out. But I'm having a guest on to decipher what makes a classic album because I know a lot of people after my Good Kid, Mad City, which was the only classic album I did wanted to know my criteria, wanted to, uh, want, so I established all that on the podcast, and hopefully that podcast could come out by the time this one's out, and so that there can be some cohesion, and some, and hopefully it just, hopefully it all flows together, but we'll see, we'll see how that turns out. Um, so, Will Gill, you, you started with the background, so I'll, I'll finish with the background. All eyes on me. Okay. 
All Eyes on Me is his fourth album. This album is a result of, like you said, Suge uh, bailing him out of jail. And in return, Pac signed a three-album deal with Death Row Records. Um, and the interesting thing I looked up is I had thought this for the longest, just, you know, being a Pac fan and, you know, just knowing Death Row itself. Dre is actually not the executive producer. Uh, only Suge Knight is the executive or Suge Knight is the only executive producer, rather, on this album. That guy's always power hungry, man. Yeah, super <laughs> power hungry. Uh, and this was actually certified diamond on July 23rd, 2014. So, uh, wow. yeah, so this is a certified diamond, one of the most, I believe it's like the fifth highest selling hip hop album of all time. It's very high up there. And. It's one of the most commercially successful albums, but well, enough with the background information. We all know who Tupac is. If you don't know, <laughs> if you don't know who Tupac is, then you know this. Maybe this hip hop thing is for listening for to you. the podcast. Yeah, thank you for listening <laughs> to the podcast, and the rest will go over your head. But no, um, <laughs> but no, let's let's get into the records we want to talk about. So I'll let you start it off. Give me a record you want to talk about from this double album. Oh, thank you. Uh, I just feel like it's appropriate. If I'm going to take the lead, that I, I, I go with the lead song, Ambitions as a Writer, uh, track number one. I got to say, this has to be one of the hardest intros of all time. As soon as you put this album on, the first thing you hear is, I won't deny it, I'm a straight rider. And with the West Coast piano playing in the background, uh, as a Pac fan, when you get into this, like if you buy a physical copy and this is a CD, and you pop it in, and that's the first thing you hear, man, you can't help but to get excited. And a uh, fun fact, this was actually um, the first song Pac recorded when he came out of jail, so it's dope that it's actually the first song you hear on the album. Like, what kind of coincidence is that? It's funny to think how sonically dark this song is with the drums and everything, but uh, the record is predominantly sampled, especially the drums, off a record called Pee Wee's Dance which is uh, super like weird that uh, a, a song yeah, you... so hard is a uh, sample from a song called Pee-wee's Dance. Yeah, exactly. So shout out to the production because they, really, uh, they really flipped that. And uh, on this record, Pac is just his classic thug life in his pocket, classic Pac flow. The life of a rap star is nothing without guard, was born rough and rugged, addressing the mass public attitude like fuck it because motherfuckers love it. Solid track all around, man. I love that record, uh, Ambitions as a Writer. Yeah, and you want to know something? That is actually the first Tupac record I ever heard. And so I, I think it's perfect that you picked that um, because <laughs> that is one of the first rec or that is the first record I ever heard by Tupac. And man, wow, that's you're, crazy. you're right. I mean, everything you said is just the way the way it just sets the tone for the whole album. It's just... Because it is called All Eyes on Me, and I remember in an interview him saying that he feels like the police is watching him, you know, like everybody in the rap game is watching him, like everybody has their eyes on Tupac. And that was true, that at this time, he was like literally like the center or the mecca of hip-hop, if you will. And so it was. it's just really cool that like he kind of comes in with that like with that mentality where you feel that he knows all the eyes are on him and he's just he's just doing his Pac thing. So I yeah, love I love that record. 
Uh, the first one I want to talk about is Scandalous, a few tracks later with Nate Dogg. Ooh, man. Scandalous. Rest in peace to the king of hooks, man. Nate Dogg, <laughs> Nate Dogg is just, yo. There's not a song that Nate Dogg is on that I, I do not thoroughly enjoy. Uh, just, you know, Scandalous. I love that song. And it's funny how, like, the impact is, like, still being heard today. Like, people are still saying it's Scandalous. And, like, people are still... I mean, a lot of people who aren't even hip hop fans like know this song. You know what yeah. I mean? It's it's crazy. I love it. It's very it's very just West Coast heavy right from the right from the jump. And man, I just I love that record, Scandalous. I can't. I don't want to go too in depth on it because I'd be I'd be going on forever. But I really love the way the way Tupac and Nate Dogg collaborate. The way Nate Dogg's like kind of soft vocals. Um, kind of like soft player vocals like bounce off of Tupac on this record it's just it's just an all-around nice combination and collaboration yeah and to add on man I like he talked about Nate Dogg and Tupac but I I really love the production on that song uh the instrumental itself is pretty dope it's not just your your simple hip-hop loop that a lot of uh hip-hop songs seem to lean on and a great production on it really wavy track yeah, yeah, really wavy track. So go ahead and give me another one you got you want to talk about. All right, man. Uh, I want to hop into uh, "I Ain't Mad at You" track number thirteen. And uh, people always bring up like Tupac's different sides, and uh, my favorite version of Tupac is on this song, and that's like the homie Tupac, the the I understand what you're going through, Tupac. Yeah, and uh, that's what I love about this song. Um, on this track, we get him just reminiscing growing up. Uh, with his friends that they grew apart and Pac is a uh, Pac is trying to relate to him saying you got to change your ways and what really makes this song really trippy and I know this is an album review and we're supposed to kind of try to keep it on the album but what makes this song really trippy is that the music video is Pac as an angel talking to his homie telling them to change his ways and obviously this video was shot before Pac's death but the music video for this song was one of the first music videos to come out after Pac's death. So it seemed like the timing of everything was very eerie. Yeah. You get Pac's death. This music video drops with him talking to uh, his homie as an angel. And he's already dead at that point. And, uh, man, super weird uh, video, song concept. And um, it really got all the conspiracy theorists going after, uh, oh, after yeah. that music video dropped. Yeah, I was going to say, you're not convinced he's in Cuba, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> No, no. Yeah, man, that, that stuff is wild. And that's another funny thing, actually, to kind of go back for a split second about the diamond thing. Is actually, I think, like, I'm sure you heard about the whole, like, Machiavelli rise again, fake death yeah. type thing. Uh, that theory that yeah. was floating around. I think that year was actually the year he was supposed to come back too. So it's weird that it was like certified diamond, like the time he was supposed to come, oh. quote unquote, come back to life or whatever. Oh man, there's levels to this shit, Chris Platty. There's levels. <laughs> Tupac might be deeper than we all think. Yeah. <laughs> but no, man, I I love that record. I'll so I'll bounce one off you then. Um, I was gonna go with one next, but since you brought that one up, I'll bring up the other one that's like that, and that's Life Goes On. To me, oh, man. this is one of the prime examples of the other side of Pac's duality. I mean, you spoke on it, and a lot of people that listen to Pac and listen to hip-hop know that Pac just had this strong duality. He had the thug, and then he had this soft, like, compassionate side. And 
this song is to me like really what crystallize or this song really crystallizes rather what makes Pac such a great rapper. He's not the most technically sound or proficient rapper, but his aura and the thing that amazes me is his ability to make you feel the words he says, like good or bad. You feel when he's talking about that killer thug shit, but then you also feel when he's emotional, calming, and compassionate. Like both sides, he can. I I don't know another rapper that can really make you feel both ways so strongly. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I I love that record. That's one of my favorites. Um. You know, Pac has a lot of songs like Life Goes On, and there's there's other ones like Brenda's Got Baby and stuff that aren't on this album that are really strong cases as well. But as far as this album goes, I think this might be one of the strongest cases is to show Pac's other side of uh, of his duality. Yeah, man, I love that song. Being a, being a young kid growing up in the 90s, especially like in a rough area, uh, whenever... We- I remember as a kid going to funerals, like if anybody was like under 30, like this song was always in the background. And it's like Pac just always made music for people that really listened to him. And that's what really what made him great. He understood his fan base and he made music to directly relate to them. Yeah, that's actually, wow, that's actually very impressive that you brought that up. That's, that's, that's a really, that's a really real thing to bring up in this. And, you know, that's something I haven't experienced, but yeah, I, I love that like everyone everyone just everyone can gravitate towards that side of pocket and and it's yeah. it's crazy that it's so profound all these years later. I still have people that grew up. I have people that I know that are 16, 17 and they're listening to pocket and like they're they're relating to it. I mean, they they were gone after or they were they weren't even born before Pac was gone. Like yeah. so it's crazy, but um, go ahead and I'm sure you I'm sure you want to lighten the mood this with your next track. So go ahead, oh, and, yeah. go was, ahead and do that. I was definitely gonna go that direction, Chris Platty. Uh, while we talk about the duality of uh, Tupac, I want to bring up Thug Passion, man. Let's have a little fun. Yeah. Uh, this is the I get around. I'm out here to have a good time. Uh, Tupac record. Uh, this is also one of my favorite versions of Tupac. Just like kind of like the lighthearted. I'm here to have a good time and um. For the culture, Chris Platty, last uh, last night, I went out to a bar and I ordered Thug Passion. <laughs> they didn't, uh, <laughs> they didn't know what it was, but I told them one part Alize, one part Cristal. But uh, I, I got champagne because I didn't got, I don't got it like that. I didn't get the Cristal, but <laughs> it was, it was, it was okay. It was like a, a very sweet drink. <laughs> I don't know if I'll order it again. I decided to uh, let the bartender. T- I didn't want to let the bartender know that it's guaranteed to get the pussy wet in the dick card. You know, I decided to leave that out. <laughs> but but back to the record. I love that this song is built around the uh, Zapp and Rogers computer love zamp- sample. It really gives a funky vibe to it. We get four verses from the Outlaws. And this might be a hot take, but that might be three too many verses for the Outlaws to have <laughs> one song. But it's okay because the song is carried by a strong hook, a strong instrumental. And when Pac's verse finally hits at the end of this song, it kind of feels like a breath of fresh air. It brings extra life to the song. Love his opening lines. They say money don't make the man, but damn, I'm making money. Observing motherfuckers because some of you bitches funny. It's like classic Pac flow. Just uh, every word he says is filled with so much passion. I love the overall feel of this record, especially if I'm drinking Thug Passion. You always uh, got to throw that on for a party starter. Yeah, man, I love 
I love that you're so about the culture, Will Gill. <laughs> <laughs> you so- know, I, I figured, I was like, you know, I never had this drink before. Let me try it. And uh, it was sweet. I'll say that. It was very sweet. Yeah, you got to try it. You got to try it. You did the, you did the culture well. <laughs> All right, so... To bounce off that lighthearted mood, um, I want to go to I want to go to one of my favorites, and that's two of America's most wanted with Pac and Snoop. Uh, at the same motherfucking place at the same, same motherfucking, motherfucking time. time? Bro, <laughs> I love that. I love that record. The way they play off each other, and uh, I could only imagine if they if they existed in this era where artists are free to collaborate, no matter the labels. I mean. You got Drake and Kanye, you got Chance and Childish Gambino, you got Kendrick and J. Cole, all from different labels, but they can, they're, they're, we're in this era now where anyone can collaborate with anyone. Man, the culture got robbed. We needed a, we needed a Pac and Snoop album, duo album, yeah. man. Like, oh man. That would have been fire. And, yeah. um, I love, I love how they play off, uh, the fact that they're both dealing with cases at the time and, you you really do get this sense that like at this at this moment of the song they are like the two best in the West. It's it's a it's a statement track, and it's just it's just hard, man. I I don't know what else to say. That record yeah. is just incredible to me. One of my favorite records ever from Tupac. Yeah, I think what makes that record so great and like Snoop and Pac collabos always work because they blend so well together. It's with Pac's aggressive flow mixed with snoops like laid back style they really balance like a tone of a song off each other that uh i don't think they get when they collab with other artists yeah yeah that's that's a very good point that you bring up yeah snoop is just snoop just has this easy go and go with the flow and his his lyrics are just kind of go with the flow and then pot comes in now follow as we ride motherfuck the rep two of the best from the west side it's like like he just comes in with that aggression after every time, so it's it's funny how they bounce. That that's another part that makes that record so great is that they literally bounce off of each other within the record. It's not just verse hook verse hook verse. You know what I mean? It's yeah. it's they're interchanging, they're jumping off each other, and it's dope, man. It's one of my favorite Pac records, so I love yeah. that record. Uh, you got another and- record you want to talk about in depth? Yeah, I got uh, I got one more, and then we could kind of just like bounce around shortly. Yeah, I got I got one uh, more uh, in depth as well. So, but I want to highlight uh, "Can't See Me." It's on the second CD, track number one. Another song where I think we um, we get a song that influences music today, and uh, this record right here is uh, it's West Coast G Funk '90s in its truest form. You have Dre working on production, the man that created the West Coast sound. We have the godfather of it all, George Clinton on the hook. And for those who don't know who this guy George Clinton is, he is the man that made the original P-Funk sound that Dre used to construct the West Coast G-Funk sound in the 90s. So uh, shout out to Dre. This is one of my favorite instrumentals on the on this album. And honestly, when I said earlier that this song specifically Can't See Me is uh, influenced music today, is if you listen to Kendrick's To Pimp a Butterfly and you listen to this song sonically, tone-wise, like uh, depth, it's pretty similar that it seems like a lot of Kendrick's To Pimp a Butterfly is based off like this song's sound specifically. And I love that about this record in the future. Like uh, it's expanded so much and that sound of music has been like rebirthed thanks to 
thanks to uh, Kendrick and a lot of people now are like kind of biting off that like funky jazz sound. But uh, back to Pac, I love his delivery on this track. Every word he spits is just filled with so much passion and you have to like believe every word he's saying and that's what really makes this song special and that's uh, Can't See Me. Yeah, that that's a great way to uh that's a great way to close out your your in-depth records and you're so right about how about the impact of it. I mean, George Clinton is amazing. He as you alluded to, he also worked with Kendrick heavily on to Pimp a Butterfly. He was there for pretty much the entire process. And actually a fun fact, I met him at a at a Pistons basketball game. He just happened to be oh, there. Oh no shit. Yeah. I just like I just like shook his hand and that was like right after the time of Tipimpa Butterfly dropping too. So like like I was I was just I was just totally into like the George Clinton sound and everything. So that was that was crazy that I ran into him at a Pistons game just randomly. He was there. <laughs> And, Did uh, he stink? I always imagined he stink because he looks hella weird. No, no, he didn't. <laughs> I mean, he was just he was just like a funky dude. But I mean, outside of, <laughs> outside of that, nah, he he smelled all right. <laughs> like, <laughs> word, word. Uh, but I want to close out. So the last record I want to talk about is uh, actually on, on the second album, and that's Shorty Want to Be a Thug. And this one's gonna be real quick, but I love the I love those that sax that plays in that and. For those of you that don't know, like that, that is where um, the sample is. I want to get the name right. Uh, the sample is "Wildflower" perform uh, by Hank Crawford, and I love that sample because that's the exact same sample that Kanye West uses in "Drive Slow," and "Drive Ooh. Slow" is one of my favorite Kanye West songs like ever. And so, um, so that that was just really that was just really dope, and. Um, I actually, I actually didn't make that connection until until like two years ago, that I had listened to both these records a lot just because I liked them, and then I never made the connection that like that they were um, that they were correlated with each other, and I I love that sample. It's just classic West Coast, just very smooth, and then it comes in with that hard bass line, that hard kick, and it's just a phenomenal record to me. Yeah. I love Pac's uh, storytelling on that song about like how somebody kind of gets enticed by the thug life. Uh, storytelling wise, I know you brought up this song earlier, but um, this the songwriting reminds me of Brenda's Got a Baby. Yeah, just kind of like, but the guy version of it and uh, the street life. So dope record overall. Yeah, fantastic record. Um, all right, so we got a we got a few records we want to talk about just side notes on um i got two i don't know how many you you got will but go ahead and go ahead and give me one of the short notes records you want to talk about kind of yeah just real quick i want to bring up uh i feel like it'll be criminal if we didn't talk about it because this song's so big but it's uh how do you want it on the first cd track yeah. number five and uh if we are in the 90s and you tell me casey and jojo are working together with tupac before i hear one second of the song I know it's going to be a hit. Yeah. People always correlate like the 90s as the golden area era of uh, hip hop. But you could also say that 90s was the, also the golden era of R&B. And when you have two of the biggest artists in both those lanes coming together on the song, uh, it will always be something iconic. And I think that's what we get in this song. Yeah, very, very iconic. Uh, as as you mentioned, there's so many records on here that are so good that we're we're bound to miss uh we're bound to miss a few that are that are important nonetheless but um another one i want to bounce off is when we ride it's actually dis uh track five on disc two is uh it's when we ride and 
it's it's just the way Tupac comes in, the way he sets it up with that deep voice, uh, that that deep voice effect, and then he comes in and he comes in so hard, and then Outlaw obviously comes in and does their thing as well, and that's just to me, to me that's just one of those records where you really feel that thug side of Tupac, and it's just it's just very strong in that record. Yeah, I love the tone and pace of that record. Uh, a lot of times when I'm listening to albums, I listen to them in the gym. And when that song comes on, I just feel like a goddamn animal because, <laughs> like, I don't know what it is. It just, like, gets me in that mood that I need to be in. And uh, I-, I get what you're saying about that song. Yeah, man, that that song is just incredible. Um, so you got another one you want to bounce off? Yeah, it's actually just a verse. And I want to uh, say for an album, a double album filled with, uh, I would say – a lot of forgettable non-Tupac verses that uh, on this track got my ma- mind made up. Uh, it has my favorite non-Tupac verse. Method Man is just coming through. Uh, New York style beat and Method Man is just hitting us with this laid back flow. Fits perfect and he's hitting us with bars like niggas best protect their joints like nine nickels. Man, I stay on point like icicles. Like uh, a lot of times when I'm listening to this song, to this whole album as a whole, I'm just being like, oh man, another verse that I just wish it was Tupac. Another verse that I feel yeah. like is unnecessary. But uh, what I love about Method Man's verse is when he gets on there, he really takes the mic and uh, makes me feel like the first time, be like, oh man, it's nice having a break from Tupac. And Method Man did that for me on the Got My Mind Made Up record. Yeah, you know what? Uh, that's something we'll get into probably a little bit more in overall thoughts, but I'm I'm with you on your point. Uh, great, great feature verse as well. I think that, I think... I'm with you on that, that it is the strongest feature on here. Uh, but the one, last record I want to talk about is, I think it'd be criminal if we didn't, is the title, All Eyes on Me, oh, the title word, record. Word. Uh, <laughs> this was, again, this was another one of those, um, this was another one of those records that I had heard early in Tupac, in my Tupac uh, listening career, I guess. And <laughs> and All Eyes on Me is just the, the way, the way the, the way the beat, that that production, man, I I'm uh, I'm still speechless years after uh, hearing this record with all the production on there. It's just so nice, and the way he, the way he makes you feel those records, and and again another kind of forgettable feature, but nonetheless, and you wish Pac was on there, but I I I love the parts when Pac is on that record, man. It's just incredible. Yeah, I love that song. Um... But I would say I would be surprised that um, that was the title for the album and like one of the songs, just because this album is just filled with such great records that I'm surprised "All Eyes on Me" is the title for the album. Yeah, yeah. Like I like I said, I think when I watched the interview, it made a lot more sense the "All Eyes on Me" title, and I and I like it. Um, but yeah, it was, it was originally, I believe, it was going to be "Ambition as a Rider." I think, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. Um, it was going to be, that was going to be the original title. And before we move on to overall thoughts, shout out to Picture Me Rolling because I hear that every time Bill Simmons is on a podcast. Yeah. Uh, he switched over recently oh, to like he? some, um, some soft, soft pop band or something like that. And it's, it's a huge change, but, uh, every, but when I was going through the listening sessions for this podcast, every time Picture Me Rolling came on, I was like, oh, Bill Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> Bill Simmons is about to drop a feature on Pox album. No yeah. way. But yeah. It's, it's about to be a pre-roll in a second. <laughs> yeah, I I love that. Uh that's funny. 
I actually heard a podcast where he talked about in depth how he went through like a lot of obstacles to get that song cleared. So I'm surprised he changed it uh, because yeah, he, yeah. he said he had to pay. He didn't say the amount, but he said he had to pay a lot of money and he had to go through a lot of obstacles to get that to, song to be on his uh, on his podcast. Yeah, uh, I think he had like a one year contract and um, and nothing's better than, uh, you know, you say, can you see me now, ho? Yeah. Can you picture me rolling? It's like a great choice. That's what makes that song so dope. <laughs> All right, so let's get into overall thoughts, Will. I'll let you kick this one off. Give me your overall thoughts of the album. Uh, my overall thoughts of the album is that really this song, it, this album is hitting us with just such high points over and over and over. Like uh, this track list pretty much reads off like somebody's uh, greatest hits album. That's how many like great records are on this song on on this album i mean but at the end of the day the two disc album is just too hard to successfully like accomplish and i think whenever i'm done listening to this album i'm just thinking that there's just way too much fat there are way too many random verses from artists that i wouldn't say don't deserve to be on this project but i would say uh clearly are a uh, outclassed by Tupac in like every way possible but production is great um I guess executive producer Suge Knight was over that so hats off to him I guess but production throughout this whole album was fucking fire great uh really shaped the sound of music and of that era and uh planted seeds for music now but overall man this this album I would say is filled with a lot of highs and uh some lows yeah, I'm I'm with you. I, and while you mentioned the production, shout out to Daz Dillinger. He was one of the uh, main producers on this out. DJ Quick, Dr. Dre also made some appearances as well, of course. Uh, and even Pac did get some production credits. But yeah, the, the production was flawless. I'm with you that the two album thing is very, very hard to pull off. Uh, and every time I hear this album, I think of that clip, and I'm sure you see it. It it, it goes on the internet all the time where uh, Pac is talking about how just get up, record another song, lay it down, let somebody else mix it, and lay down the next track. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where And that's literally what I get from this album. It's just he, just he just raps, and that's it, and he lets them do their thing, and he just kind of he just kind of goes on to the next track, and he just cranks out song after song. Uh, I believe there was a, I, I can't get the, I can't remember if I can get the stat right or whatever, but I believe he did 27 songs in 40 days or something like that. Just yeah. an insane, insane amount of music. And I I will say to go off your thoughts too as well, you, you kind of hit on it earlier. It's just, honestly, the high points are very high, but the low points are pretty much when Tupac's not on the records. Like, mm-hmm. like Tupac, it, Tupac has does such a great job on his on his records. Even the thing where I this is like kind of like a recurring theme on on the album where he closes out a lot of songs just talking for a minute or two, and yeah. even that even that he does great he does a great job of kind of wrapping up and closing the thoughts and bringing down the energy level. Uh, as far as like as far as like he'll he'll hype the energy level up and then he'll kind of do some like spoken word to to calm down the energy but yeah i i'm with you I, I was actually when i first listened to this and you know everyone's telling me 
you, you know, like as as a kid when you're listening to you when you're listening and you're studying hip hop and people are telling you that this is one of the greatest albums ever, you're you're saying, I don't uh, am I not am I missing something or are these like I don't like these features. Am I missing something? Yeah. You know? And so that's that's still how I feel. I don't like a lot of I don't like a lot of the features on here. A lot of them I'm just like, man, I would especially now that Pac's gone, I would kill to have another Pac verse on on this record, you know, here and there. And so that's really yeah, one but, of my, my only problems with it. Yeah, to piggyback on what you're saying, this might be a hot take, but the outlaws are trash, man. Like God, every time yeah. they rapping, like it's just like please no more. Yeah. I, like, I'm just so tired of the outlaws just taking up time and space on this album. Yeah, I know they're gonna come for our head after they hear this podcast. <laughs> but, but yeah, um, I'm I'm with you, man. I'm not a fan of the, I'm not a fan of the Outlaws. I don't care how much Tupac is associated with them. The songs they have with Tupac are dope, but that's because Tupac's there. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah. To me, to conclude my overall thoughts, man, this is arguably one of the best West Coast albums ever. So it's it, it's it's still really really good. And like you said, those highs are are all time high but when when you have this many tracks and that many uh that many I, I guess you could say rough features that it it makes it it makes a really it, this album isn't that easy to listen to in its entirety no. it really isn't because of the features and because of the the length when you include both albums okay uh can i uh squeeze in a couple points it might be a little long yeah go ahead go so, for it if you could condense this down to one CD, this would be possibly the greatest hip-hop record of all time. So if you have just a one CD, you're not going for the double album thing. So you, you will have uh, track number one, Ambitions of a Writer. Two, All About You. Three, How Do You Want It? Four, Two of America's Most Wanted. Five, Life Goes On. Six, Only God Could Judge Me. Seven, California Love. I ain't mad at you. Can't see me. Shorty want to be a thug. Wonder why they call you big. Thug passion. Picture me rolling. I'd rather be your N-I-G-G-A. All, all eyes on me. And heaven ain't hard to find. Like, that's 16 songs right there. If you just cut out all the fat, like, those are almost every one of those songs are hit records. And it's just like, they're all on one CD. And it, I said earlier, like, it almost reads as other artists' greatest hit, like, CD. And uh, Pac's given us all this work just on one album. And I just wish that it was condensed down. Like, obviously, Pac's death is the most tragic thing that happened to him. But I would say one of the more tragic things that happened to him is that he never had a puff daddy in his career to just kind of, like, help mold him. Like, Big, like if you listen to Biggie's albums, they're constructed so much better than Pac's albums. But that's because Puffy is, like, kind of the mastermind yeah, behind he's a everything. Visionary. And when you have Suge Knight being uh, your visionary, you end up something like this, where it's just literally just be like, oh, you're the person that does the work. You do the work, and I'll put it out. Yeah. And uh, I just really wish Tupac had somebody there. Like, him and uh, Drake kind of fell out pretty early. And I just wish there was somebody there for Pac to kind of, you know, clean up some of his albums for him because he was just an artist in the truest form. Yeah, I'm with you, man. Uh, I I co-signed 100% everything you said. Yeah, you can make this, you can make this a really dope 16, 18 track album, and it would be just nothing but hits. And it it would most rappers couldn't even make a greatest hits album that would touch that. So yeah. 
it that that's a very good point i'm with you it, a lot of a lot of fat um especially if you get to like you know having a guy like puff that can mold and say all right let's not use this feature here you know let's let's do this or let's do that and uh so it but i think that does kind of in a almost in a strange sense work with the album because tupac's always been to me he's always been a raw artist he's always just been raw emotion uh yeah. raw everything so it kind of in in its own way works but i i'm with you i agree that it would 100% be better if he did it like that and one last one last thing i want to bring up is just i'm mad that the original california love isn't on here that it's a remix cuz i don't know about you but this might be a hot take but i don't feel as much for the for the remix california love yeah, I was. Uh, that's funny that you brought that up because I kept looking. I was like, "Why does it say remix?" And I never understood. Uh, I thought there was like maybe something wrong on my end, or because I'm listening to it uh, digitally, not the CD version. So I didn't know if something was changed in that process of digitizing it. But yeah, it that is a a switch that I wish wasn't happening. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. So. All right, so let's get into the the question. So for those of you that know how the classic album review works, from now on we're talking, we bring up the album, we talk about it, and then at the end we debate or maybe not debate on if it's a classic or not. So, Will, I'm going to let you take the floor. Is All Eyes on Me, the double album by Tupac Shakur, a classic hip-hop album? Oh, man, Chris Platty. Oh, it's going to hurt me to say this, but it's just the album just has too much fat for it to be a classic in my, my eyes. Like it, it's a hard to listen. Um, I feel like the listen is worth it if you're willing to do the work, but, uh, how many years later is this album? Almost 10 years later, 20 years. Yeah. Almost 20 years. I mean, it's, uh, let me see if I have it, uh, if I have the year in front of me. Yeah. 1996. So yeah, over 20 years. So within that 20 years, I, uh, you know, handful of times I might have listened to this album after like the 90s and uh, getting, prepping for this podcast, uh, I, I listened to it over and over and over. And I would say like not until the fifth time I listened to this album was I really able to like take things from songs that I felt sonically not connected to because it's such a hard to listen. So I would say everything is worth it eventually but it's such a hard work to get to that point that i don't know if the song sonically tone wise the way it makes me feel is worth that payoff but there's something there to find if you're willing to do the digging but no i don't think this is a classic at all wow so we actually disagree because i think it's clearly a classic and from the quality of the record to the longevity of the records on here i mean these records uh, are people people are listening to them large amounts of people are listening to these records today still to the commercial success as i spoke of going diamond one of the top five i think selling hip-hop albums of all time to the impact it had on the west coast this album is no doubt a class i mean to me think of it i think this is i think this is the strongest argument for what makes it a classic if you take this album out of the west coast the west coast isn't i mean the west coast is still great but the west coast this this was one of the best albums of West Coast. And when you have one of the best albums of one of the best regions in hip hop, it's got to be a classic, man. It's I mean, 
It's Look, so I, good. I hear you. I hear you, Chris Platty. But I'll, I'll ask this follow-up question: Do you feel like this ambitions of a writer? You know, two of America's most like these are like classic songs, just on a body of work. Like, I don't think this album like rolls well, like through the whole listen. So I don't know if I could call it a classic. Yeah, it's filled with a whole bunch of huge records that I love and that are iconic, that are timeless. But as a body of, as a whole body, I don't. I, I just can't get down with it, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I'm, I'm with you in that sense. Like, I see where you're coming from with the whole body of work. Like, it is a lot. And to be honest with you, I'm I'm not one that... I don't often choose to listen to this album front to back, both sides. But I still think it's a classic because there's just so many records. Like, there's just so many good records so many influential records on here that are that are going beyond our time i mean we're talking 20 years later and we're still relating to this uh, you know what i mean like it's it's crazy i mean i was one when this album was was out <laughs> like I, like i mean that's what i'm saying like and i'm still and i'm still a, a i still like get this album and i can still connect with this album and yeah i yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I I was just gonna wrap it up basically by saying like, uh, just wrap up my thought by saying that it, it's to me it's so it's so iconic in the West Coast and it it has it has such a West Coast sound to it. Like if you were to listen to this, you're like, yeah, this is like this is one of the albums that defines '90s West Coast hip hop. So how can it not be a classic? All right, yeah, you are making a lot of strong points, Chris Platty. As a friend, I might need you to edit out what I first said. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got you, but, but say no but more. To, yeah, so I, I definitely hear what you're saying. Me personally, I just can't say the body of a work is classic, but I would say uh, I understand what you're saying. Uh, this it does have longevity. It is filled with a lot of. Uh, great timeless record but just a lot of moments in this time when i'm listening to this album as a hip-hop head i'm simply just not enjoying myself so i just i just can't do it yeah and i will extend that olive branch to you that i honestly i'm i'm big with i'm big on this with with you as far as normally when it comes to a classic album it has to be pretty much flawless from the jump so i'm totally with you on that but honestly this is one of those outliers to me you know what I mean? Okay. So I understand that. So yeah, so you're not like you're not wrong in thinking that like I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna say Will Gill, you know, you're totally wrong on this, but because I, I see where you're coming from. Like there's a lot of albums that I if if I can't vibe with it front to back, uh then then you know it's just it's just not my thing. But I think especially when it's a double album, there's gotta be certain yeah. there's gotta be certain you know, there's always rule breakers, you know what I mean? There's, okay, there's, yeah, I could definitely get behind that. There's always outliers, so that's yeah. why I'm saying it's a classic album. And, well, I think we're going to wrap this one up. This has been a phenomenal podcast. This is, I was so excited to do this. I had to get Will Gill because Will Gill <laughs> is one of the smartest, the best hip-hop guys I know in the game. So, Will, why don't you tell him where you do your podcast because Will has his own podcast. That Oh, yeah, if... uh. If you guys like what you hear, want to hear more of a Will Gill, me, uh, I have a podcast. It's called Hip Hop Review Podcast. You can look it up. It's me and my partner, uh, Vontae the Pro. We kind of just do album reviews, but uh, we're not really like 
into like in depth, like nerdy breaking down lyrics and stuff. We kind of just talk about stuff, crack jokes, kind of hang. Uh, I feel like our podcast is an easy listen. So if you want to come check us out, uh, do so. Just look up Hip Hop Review Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Is at uh, we're kind of everywhere. Yeah. So just look us up. Yeah, man, check them out because that's how I found Will Gill, and he is. Uh, he and Vate the Pro do great work. I was on there once for the end of the year. That was that was a great time. I, I love I love their podcast, <laughs> and I'm not just saying this because he's on the podcast, but I can assure you that I listen to almost every podcast they drop when they drop, and I actually joined them a little late. I think I joined them like you guys were like I think four or five months into your into your podcast, and I actually went back and caught up on pretty much all of them that you guys ever did before that. So, oh, that's dope, man. Yeah, man. I'm Ooh, I'm a heavy that. I'm a heavy listener of the Hip Hop Review podcast. So check them out as well. And as for me, you guys know where you can find Strictly Hip Hop and Strictly Hoop Talk. Uh, you can find it on my Twitter, which is at crispy eleven thirty two. That's C H R I S P Y eleven thirty two. And Will Gill, I want to thank you for coming on because this is one of my favorite albums ever and this is one of my favorite artists ever so it was an honor and i'm glad that i'm glad that it was you it had to be you for this album review oh man thank you uh to keep it short uh feelings is mutual man appreciate everything all right man i'll catch you later will all right man